Hello, Gareth Jones here. Before this episode of On Speed, I have a small announcement. In this, our 15th series, we're looking for sponsors. So if you've got a business and you want to have your name at the top of this show in exchange for a few quid, we'd like to hear from you. As well as hearing your company name here on the UK's biggest podcast for petrol heads, maybe we can give away some of your products or services to our listeners. Who knows? We're open to ideas. What I do know is that sponsoring Gareth Jones on Speed gives you access to an audience of tens of thousands of loyal listeners every two weeks. Each and every one of them cool and successful and with excellent trousers. Probably. To find out more about sponsoring this podcast, drop us a line at onspeed at garethjones.tv. Looking forward to hearing from you. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. He's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. Finn's over there. Finn, you going to say something? Yes, right on cue. And Violet is quiet on the sofa. Nice to have you with us. Hello. How are we? Good, thank you. And also I'm taking up Finn's airtime. Yes, good. We need more interruptions. Yeah, welcome to the show. And what a week it was for driving in Suffolk. Or perhaps not. If you're anywhere near a member of the royal family, you will have read that Phil the Greek, I think that's his correct name, Richard, isn't it? Phil the Greek, that's his legal royal name, isn't it? What is his royal name? It'd be Phil- really complicated, went to His Royal Highness, Prince- the Duke of Edinburgh, but is it yeah. probably, he's probably got loads of other bits. Is there a Mountbatten in there somewhere? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe there is. Someone, I think it was Danny Baker, said on Twitter after that car accident... There's a picture on the BBC News site of Prince Philip as he is now. And Danny Baker made the point. It's like, first of all, Prince Philip as a younger man was a very handsome chap. You know, you could see why he was quite a sort of pin-up in the 1950s. He was was rakish. He was the living image of Matt Smith, Doctor Who, I'm told. Well, anyway, we'll come back to that. (laughs) But also, Danny Baker made the point that Prince Philip now looks like his younger self made up to be an old man for a TV show where they've overdone it. <laughs> yes. And nobody looks that old. I know what you mean. So Prince Philip, Duke of Freelander, I think that's his name, managed to roll his Freelander 2, I believe. I don't know the circumstances. Do you know the circumstances of the crash? What actually happened? Has it been revealed? Or? Well, I think what happened, as I understand it, and important caveat, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Mm. Unusual, because so, you're usually there, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. But, you know, I think the report that I read, he pulled out from a side road, turning right on a main road, mm. and as he did so, was T-boned, hitting the side by a car that was coming along the main road. Right. Now, it sounded like one of those cases where a driver pulls out either not realising that a car is coming or not realising how quickly a car is coming on them. Mm. And supposedly he said immediately after the crash he was dazzled by the sun or something, which mm. would you know, which ties up with that, you know. Yeah, older driver who probably isn't quite as capable, sun in your face, yeah, that can make it easy to miss some oncoming traffic. Yeah, And in a sun. car which could roll because it's a bit higher than the irregular 
regular car. Are Freelanders pro to rolling at all, Richard? Pretty, pretty hard, no. though, haven't you? You've got <laughs> I think a, so. You've got a head I'll tell pretty you what was interesting, though. A guy I know who's a car engineer made a very good point about this on social media. Lots of people were going... Oh my goodness, it's a miracle he walked away with no injury. It's a miracle. And my mate went, yeah, No, it's not. not. It's good engineering. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. is good engineering, yeah. is why it, he walked away. It's no miracle at all. It, it's because that it's, car, it's a, and it's not even a it's brand new design. Yeah, if, but it's know. just its safety engineering did exactly yeah. what it was designed to do. The structure of the car maintained its shape. I presume the curtain airbags and stuff deployed in a rollover as they should to protect the head. And it did everything it was supposed to do. And so even a 97 year old man who's not been in the best of health can crawl out of the sunroof uninjured. Reasonably. Does uh, a car driven by yeah. a Royal apart from having curtain airbags have curtain red carpet as well that rolls out automatically when the door opens or something. I don't know. I do know something odd though is that he wrote off that Freelander, I would guess. I mean Mm -hmm. it didn't look too mangled but it had bounced off its roof. I guess that's a write off. And it's going to cost a bit to repair it. Yeah, and the next day... Bang, replaced. Replaced, but the newspapers had papped this new Mm. or replacement Freelander 2 being delivered mm. to They all said new, yeah. didn't they? Where's he got that from? Mm-hmm. We couldn't well, see the number know, plate because it was some, obscured. Maybe, you know, you get a slightly preferential service or maybe they've got a... Land Rover just sort of kept a few back in case one, the Duke of Edinburgh well, you know wants another one. 3, 000, I don't like the Discovery Sport. Get me a Freelander 2. Two. You know those 3,000 people they just laid off? They just pulled 2,000 back on for 24 hours to so build a, a car that they haven't built for how many years? Five car years. That's what I was thinking. They surely can't have made one in 24 hours from Left over bit. Was it a new one or was it no. one no. new to him? They just do have a stash of them. I don't know. I but mean, royalty buying second-hand cars is almost inconceivable, isn't it? I don't know. You could still have a nose for a bargain. If yeah, now the driving habits of the royals are a bit unusual. Obviously, we have to clear the Princess Anne Reliant scimitar thing out of the way straight off. Oh, you beat me to it. It's the scimitar in the room. But <laughs> then you've got the Queen Mother. Did she used to sort of cruise around in a Rover P5 or was that the Queen herself I can't remember now uh, uh, I think Queen Mother that oh, was oh, the Queen no. likes a Range Rover doesn't she, well, she um, I call yeah. her the Queen sorry that Elizabeth Sachs Coburg I believe is her name and yeah. she has had, Not my she queen. has some experience from yeah. the army of driving yeah. and maintaining yeah, yeah, Land Rovers yeah, yeah. I'll give her that yeah, yeah full respect well so she had a Defender so actually pre-Defender but a 110 V8 I think which was specially made for her by Land Rover special vehicles mm. and it was an automatic and she sent it back and said could you put a manual box in it for me please wow, so really? her madge possibly likes a little bit of heel and towing which in a defender takes some doing trust no. me unless you're wearing wellies it's not impossible but i like to imagine that nothing else that her do you majesty think she, queen she, elizabeth ii was it the range of all the discovery that was one of the first cars to have a curry hook it was a discovery it was wasn't discovery, it discovery yes. yeah finn says no yeah it's a shame really because she could hang her handbag she always carries a handbag she could I, hang it on the hook joking she? aside i think I read somewhere, I'd have to check this, that one of her cars, one of the little modifications they'd made for her was that there was a hook for her to hang her back. There you go. Maybe that's you? where the curry hook inspiration came from. It wasn't at all from an engineer who spilled a takeaway on the way home, whatever the story was. I'd be very happy if it was Liz Sachs Coburg who invented the curry hook <laughs> as, as the queen of the empire, which she still is, isn't she? We have an empire, don't we? Now, we've, don't we do, now that we're having Brexit, I believe we're getting an empire. Oh, we are. Yes, okay. yes, I, I, yes. I missed, I missed that in the Starts in Wales and stretches out. 
But the yeah. uh, royal aspects aside, should a 97-year-old man be behind the wheel? Aren't there rules once you're beyond 70 that you have to be retested for your eyesight? And you don't have to retake your driving test, do you? But you have to have a, it's an annual eye test. I think so, Is but I don't know. I'm not certain, because I'm not that age. <laughs> not for another 15 years. Anyway. Sorry, 18 years. Sorry, I was exaggerating I mean, then. It happens when you get older. Yeah, should he be driving? Probably not beyond 95 or 90, really. I know medical science has come a long way. I mean, you know, if the tests are good enough, then I'm okay with that. You know, Mm. if you 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 can demonstrate as a 90-something that you're competent behind the wheel, of course you should be able to drive. Mm. Um, Well, how old's Sterling Moss? How old's Richard Atwood? You know, they're sort of gentlemen in their 80s. And I would rather ride in a car with them on the road than with... A lot of younger people. Someone who's... Because lots of people are in their 20s are absolutely terrible drivers. Although even for someone like that, there is going to come... Point where even Sterling Moss might not be as safe as the average driver. Yeah, it's, oh yeah, you know, sure. But then also somebody like that, they will probably be quite aware of when they can't drive mm-hmm. so capably, and you would yeah. hope they'd give it up at that point. At the same time, we all want to feel that we have the right if we've got a vehicle to drive when we want. This is something we we don't want anybody telling us we can't drive. But my grandmother years ago learnt to drive. She was certainly in her seventies. What, when she learned to drive? When she learned to drive. Really? Yeah, when she she, she got a licence. What brought that on? I guess she was bored and had a bit of time on her hands. And and living in smoking and stuff as well. You might as well at that age. Parachuting or skydiving. I've always wanted to try heroin. Maybe maybe she did a bit more on the side that she didn't tell us about. But on the driving thing, she wanted to be able to get around more easily, be more independent, I think. And so, yeah, learn to drive, get a car. But while she was learning to drive, she was obviously terrible. You know, any time that either my parents were out with her to give her a bit of practice, they had some horror stories about just how bad she was when she was learning. She did pass her test. But within weeks, she had collided with an entire troop of, I think, Royal Marines who were on a training <laughs> room. What? Um, an entire oh troop? There were, there well, were 60 of them, one by one. There were broken limbs. No, uh, no, I'm sorry, I wasn't. Uh, you know, there were, but, sorry. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, she injured several soldiers oh, who were... Whatever she maintains happened, I'm sure they were in perfectly good order in some kind of single file running along well, no, the side of the road they should have been. But on. I bet they were wearing camouflage. Uh, so really it's not. <laughs> but anyway, you know, she had a licence taken away by a court, mm. quite rightly. So on the kind of anecdotal family experiences... Yeah, older drivers, pretty dangerous. Well, that's it, her licence was taken away permanently. Yeah. Uh, well... Okay, the truth is, I don't know whether it was a permanent driving ban or whether she was banned and then just decided not to go through the process of reacquiring a licence, probably because everyone said, no, 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 please don't do it. The driving licence, I believe, entitles you to drive on the Queen's Highway, as it's called. So even if Prince Philip... Sorry, Philip Paphistophilus, is that his name? I don't know. If this Phil bloke... Had his licence withdrawn, he could probably argue that his missus could give it him back. It's her highway, it's her licence. I don't know if he... I'm not sure... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure... That's that's not going to be caught. I think his his licence says entitles the bearer to drive on his wife's highway. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it actually says. We're mocking this crash, but there were other people involved, and I hope they are recovering nicely They seem to be fine, except there's that one woman who I think was the passenger... 
who's in all the papers going, oh, they haven't been in touch, they haven't apologised. It's like, it's a road accident. Yeah, it yeah, goes yeah. to insurance Every time companies. Yeah. They tell you not to. I can't believe. contact with the other driver. Yeah, I can't believe the guy who drove into me. Why hasn't he rung to say sorry? You don't do that. That's exactly what you don't do, because insurance people say never say sorry, because it's admission of guilt. Although if you're a decent human being, at the side of the road, you have some kind of human exchange and, you check that But they're claiming that Duck of Edinburgh did that before he was taken away. That's what I thought he did. What's odd about it? is that he was driving on his own and there were no Mm. security people um, you know even following him but not certainly not following close behind because it seemed like it took a few minutes minutes for them yeah which is weird i once was in the same place as prince harry years ago and he was driving himself in an audi a3 but he had a protection officer in the passenger seat and then another one or two in a range rover behind Mm. and they were following pretty closely behind as well because mm. I suppose the thing is, they're always going, well, you know, Prince Harry, great high-profile kidnap target. But then if you kidnap the Duke of Edinburgh, he's 97. He's not putting much of a fight up, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to ask. Zog, we know you've had a fairly dramatic crash. We've talked about it yeah. on On Speed a long time ago when you were in your de chevaux. When I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the bonnet also came up whilst you were asleep yes. and resulted in you hitting the wall. Really waking up to find that I was about to crash into something and that wow. was kind of about... Yeah, that what was a it. a horrific story. Yeah, yeah. We'll come to it in a moment, but have you had any other crashes you want to share on this programme? I've been lucky enough really not to have very many shunts. Riding off the de Chavaux was the worst crash I've had. And I did manage to crush it once or twice in much smaller ways, but that's that, okay. not worth talking about. Richard, have you ever written a car off? Uh, yeah, what? Have you? Yeah. Have yeah. you? Yeah. I was wasn't expecting ra- to say yes. This wasn't the roundabout, was it? Yes. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I might have mentioned this before. I certainly I wrote about it a while ago in Evo, but yeah, Audi TT when they came out, nineteen ninety eight or nine, uh, ninety nine, I suppose. Before I the was, aerodynamic tail. Yes, I was in the vanguard of finding out about the handling problems on the Audi TT. Really? Sterling works. So yeah, Sterling so, work. you know, Well done. I was never thanked for my research, but there we are. Well, it was wet. No, I suppose the main factors in the accident were that a uh, short wheelbase car with, as it turns out, quite snappy breakaway characteristics, an unevenly surfaced large roundabout underneath the motorway junction in Birmingham, and a 23-year-old idiot at the wheel who had just <laughs> moments earlier said, of course, it's four-wheel drive, so it's got loads of grip to this passenger <laughs> shortly before the back end of the car sort of skipped slightly over little fissure in the road and kicked out and then we went into a spin and we hit the quite high curb on the roundabout itself just by a motorway bridge support which I thought we were going to hit and thankfully we didn't but the curb flipped us over and we rolled over twice <sighs> landed back on its wheels bloody and, hell and then we had to force the doors open because I guess the shell had twisted a little bit and mm. my housemate Hamill was in the car. I hadn't even got my phone with me, I think, to sort of ring for help. I brought this car home. It's easy to forget how amazing TTs looked when they were new. Back yeah, then. yeah, yeah. It really yeah. did look like a concept car. Yeah, yeah. You could buy. Even one of my housemates who wasn't into cars at all, she came out to have a look at it. She just went, this is the coolest car I've ever seen. It's amazing. Mm. But and Hamill, my housemate... Like it was a crumpy yeah, it really was. Metal. That's the thing. Hamill, my housemate, was really into cars. He went, can we just go out for a spin? And I went, yeah, go on, come on. We'll just go down the road and we'll come back. And we sort of went ragging down the main road out of where we lived and to junction three of the M5 on the Hagley Road, if anyone knows Birmingham. 
big roundabout, and that's where it happened. And during the accident, of other things happened. Hemel, as we rolled, head-butted me in the face, not deliberately, mm. although I would have understood if he did. And he gashed all his arm open on some bit of interior oh. trim. Ooh, so he was bleeding like a stabbed pig. And I was dazed. And then this guy in a Rover 200, I always remember, red with that anthracite lower half. It's amazing the things oh, you remember. Yeah. Pulled up. And he went, oh, my God, he just saw what happened. He was like, oh, my God, are you okay? And, you know, I was bleeding a lot. And I was sort of just standing there with my hands on my head going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, my career is now over. Because not only had I just obviously screwed a car, and you could see as we'd gone over the curb, it had lapped the sump off or something. There was just oil everywhere. Mm. And there was steam belching out the top through the mangled bonnet. And and, it's gonna blow. Yeah, it was all a bit horrible. But also, it was my producer's car. He'd booked it in from Audi to go away with his girlfriend for the weekend. Oh. And then he was away on a shoot that night when it turned out. It turned mm. out that day, and in the evening, I rang him and went, Are "You coming back this evening?" He went, "No." I'm like, Can I take that TT? He was like, "Yeah, but you better bring it back in the morning because I'm going away." <laughs> it was delivered oh, on a flatbed oh, oh, back to just, Audi just, instead. Yeah. yeah, but I rang Audi and I went, oh, "Look, you know, we've got a TT at the moment." Yeah. I'm afraid I've had a bit of an accident. And they went, oh, my God, are you okay? And I thought, that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah That's yeah, good. Yeah. And they were lovely yeah. about it. But yeah. then I rang the producer, Chris, who's still a friend of mine to this day, although I'm not sure he's ever forgiven me for this, but I rang him and went, uh, you know, you know, I had that TT, boss. Um, I've had a bit of an accident. It's not, it's, it's basically written off. And he just went, oh, and then there was silence, and he was really cross. It's fine. So, yeah, it was awful. And one of the things I learned is that having a car accident, rolling cars over, it's really noisy. It's a yes. horrible noise. Well, horrible noise. Yeah. I, only being in a car that rolled twice. The second time was when I was sitting next to Russ Swift when he was demonstrating how he can put his car on two wheels. And that moment that it rolled over, I almost died because the week previous i'd managed to roll the first car i owned which was a volkswagen jetta in north wales and i was going around some wiggly wiggly roads and there was a gully running it was steve allen remember the on-speed band was in the car with us and managed to just get that little bit too far left narrow road into a gully that runs along the road mm-hmm. drop a wheel down and hit a rock in the gully which flipped the car absolutely flipped the car in the air we landed on the roof and then skated talk about that noise Mm. we'll never forget the noise of the roof of a VW Jetta at 60 miles per hour scrape on the ground and then crump came to a halt facing the corner as it were in front of us now and undid my seatbelts and fell up towards the roof Mm. didn't know I was upside down was so disoriented Mm. and the rear window popped out so Steve and I climbed out through the rear window. The safety cell had largely held up. Mm. The seats had gone back, so we didn't break our necks. Thank you, Volkswagen, and your safety cage. Full respect. Climbed out through the back window and stood in this dark, dark North Walian road. Looking down the road, I could see a little green light flashing, blinking. And there was my Vodafone brick, the old Motorola 8500 or whatever it was, still working, which had been ejected out of the rear window oh. somehow, along with all my audio cassettes, uh. mainly the Alarm and U2 and the Comset Angels, all strewn down the road in a line. 
yeah, I had to call for help, and that was a disturbing moment. That was my worst crash. I had a couple of crashes on motorbikes, one reason or another, but that tends to happen a bit more on bikes. Sorry, we, so you rolled your Jetta, mm, and then a week later, yeah. got in the car with Russ Swift, yeah, like and, what, live, and it went wrong, and mm, his car tipped mm, onto its roof? No, no, live on television. You know, you go up the ramp, you get it onto get two, two wheels. wheels. Yeah. So it rolled, but it didn't completely roll. It rolled 50% of a complete revolution oh, up onto the wheels. That, that's, not, oh, but, that's, that's tipping. That's yeah, not tipping, yeah. But in that moment... You had a bit of a flashback. Oh, I, I yeah, genuinely I did. Imagine. My heart yeah, stopped. My heart stopped. And it's yeah. on television. It was the episode of Get Fresh that we did in 1987 or 88. I can't remember. 88, I think, in Bewley Motor Museum, as it goes. It's probably up oh, on YouTube somewhere. Uh, yeah. I've got it here. Terrifying. So, yeah, if you've had a crash, you have my sympathies. Unless you're royalty, in which case, tough. <laughs> That's the Welsh Republican view of things. I don't know what all the fuss is about with this little car accident and Prince Philip, God bless him. In my day, it was an honour to crash it, my member of the royal family, God bless him. Oh, yes, I remember my first road traffic accident with a member of the unelected ruling elite of the nation. Feels like only yesterday it does. King George VI in an Austin A7. He was on an horse, of course. Legs everywhere. Awful mess. But he was a gentleman, he was. Came at me with a sword, of course. Then later gave me a shiny shilling and agreed not to have me hanged. Lovely fellow he was, God rest his soul. Oh, yes, I've crashed into them all since then. Princess Margaret, I hit her limousine and a mini traveller. And when the eighth, I rear-ended his carriage in a Renault 4. I once ran over the Duke of Gloucester in a standard vanguard outside Woolworths in Kettering. What a day that was. I missed Her Majesty, of course. And I mean that quite literally. But then, as my out-of-control lost in Maxi narrowly avoided her motorcade, I was lucky enough to mount the payment and take out his Royal Highness Prince Andrew, who happened to be looking at some pornographic etchings in an antiquarian grot shop, God bless him. And let me tell you, each and every one of those road shrubbing accidents was an honour to be involved in. Because the royals, you see, they're such lovely manners. Oh, yes, beautiful manners. That's the thing about colliding with a member of the royal family. Yeah, they might call you a stupid peasant and try to have their protection of you snap your neck, but they look you in the eye and shake your hand afterwards. That's breeding for you, that is. Of course, my very favourite is Princess Anne. Uh, I took her out with a Citroen BX on the A303, put him all round about. Lovely T-bone. And oh, yes, what an honour that easily avoidable collision was. A real privilege. She's a true lady, Princess Anne. Even when she's been smashed sideways through some bollards and come to rest in a ditch... Yes, I'll always treasure that medium-speed collision with Princess Anne, good lover. Can you remember what car she was driving? No, sorry, I can't. Step Petrol! We gotta go down speed! You only have to have listened to Gareth Jones on speed just once to know that I'm a massive fan of the band Slade. I think I may have mentioned it once or twice. But I've never had a member of Slade on this podcast. 
until now. Just before Christmas, I was up in North Wales and quite by coincidence, Wolverhampton's finest were also there, playing a gig in Wrexham as part of their annual Christmas tour. So I got in touch with Slade's drummer, Don Powell, and asked him if I could interview him for Gareth Jones on Speed. As a hardcore Slade fan, I already know a great deal about Don's car and driving history, which has swung between the downright cool, the ostentatious, the very mundane, and the truly tragic. And I use that term very carefully in this context, as you will hear, as I interview a man I've known for many years, and who is one of my heroes, Don Powell from Slade. Don, thanks for finding time to talk to me today. Oh, my pleasure, Gaz. I want to talk to you about cars. All right. right. Do you drive now? What do you drive? I do. At the moment, I'm just driving a little Citroen Berlingo. Nice, yeah, practical. and perfect. I can get the dog in there. I can just get the shopping in there. You know, it's one of those cars I don't have to worry about, about it being clean. You know, like the upholstery inside, like I said, there's all dog hairs everywhere. But uh, now it's a perfect little working horse. Do you ever have to carry your kit around with you? Or is that all done when you're gigging these days? That, I'm lucky enough to how all that looked after for me. But, I mean, we did it, like, when we first started, obviously, we didn't even know what a roadie was. <laughs> so, so we used to have to take our equipment. In those days, Gaz, as you probably know, there's only tiny equipment then. So we used to go on the bus and put the equipment underneath the stairs, where you could do then and you know, just go on the bus down to these youth clubs or pubs or wherever we were playing. Did you ever have like a Thames van or anything like that? Yes, we did have a Thames van, one of the very first ones. But uh, it was great actually because one of the guys who was in the original band, it was his father's van and he used to drive us. His name was Reg and we could get us, there was five of us then. Plus, I got the equipment in as well. But it was only small equipment then we had. So what year are you talking about here? Probably 60, 62. So this is in-betweens? Not the vendors. The vendors. The vendors, yeah. So the band yeah. before the band before the That's band. The band before the band before I was shaving. <laughs> <laughs> and were you driving? When did you buy your first car? Was it when Slade made some money or did you have a it car was, before was, then? No, it wasn't Slade. It was still the in-betweens. It was about 65 or 66. And it was a little box-standard mini. Excellent choice. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think it was an 800cc thing, I think it was, and it had the A-track in it, and the whole lot cost me, I think it was less than £500. It was 450 or something like that, but it was less than £500. You bought it new? Yeah, brand new. I was flash. Well, how that came about, my girlfriend at the time used to babysit for this car dealer. He obviously got me a good deal on it. That's handy. It's not who you know, it's who you know. That's it, that's the one. So in the in-betweens, you're driving around in a Mini. You probably then spent, well, every day since then, on the road, in one form or another. Yeah. I mean, after the... I think I had a a couple of Minis at first, and then we became Slade, and then we started to get success, and that's when I was able to afford the S3 Bentley. Nice. And you bought that, what, 72, 73? 73. 73 for two grand. No, you're yeah, kidding. Two grand. Didn't you all have Bentleys in those? No, days? no, no. Dave had the silver Jensen first, one of the very first Jensen. Jensen CV8. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, he had that. And Jim had the MG Midget. He had a midget? Yeah, the MG Midget. Yeah. And Nod just had an Escort. And then he went for the Merc. 
was a sports model. It was a 450, wasn't it? Oh, we can't That sounds like it. But, uh, so was there literally one week where Chaz, your manager, said to you, look, lads, here's enough money you need to go out and buy the cars you want. Was it like that? It wasn't Chaz who said it. I think we just realised amongst ourselves, you know, because Chaz was always trying to get us to move to London. No, we suddenly realised when we had some of our first royalty checks coming, which was rather nice, which we didn't expect. I knew this. Actually, it was a friend. The car dealer who I bought my Bentley from was a friend of Dave Hill's father, Jack. Right. Jack used to be the mechanic there many, many years before. And this young guy, I can't remember his name now, but he was an up-and-coming salesman there, and he got me the Bentley for two grand. Why a Bentley and not a roller? Because well, rollers are more rock and roll, aren't they? I don't know, actually. I, saw, I don't know what he was. I wanted the S3 type style anyway, with the twin headlights at the front. Nice. So I really thought that was sort of classy. Actually, I don't know why, not the roller, Gaz. I did get the roller after the Silver Cloud, yeah. the same style as the S3. Were you ever a motorsport fan? You must have known some F1 drivers over the years. No, not really. I was never a fan of that kind of thing. We met James Hunt a few times. He came to some of our shows in London. He was a big fan, apparently. Yes. And, yeah, we met James, but I can't say I really knew him, but, I mean, he, he was a nice guy, nice guy. To complete the circle, in the film that they made about James Hunt's life recently, yes. they had come on Feel the Noise. Probably. I know. I, yeah. saw, I went to see the film. I, I didn't know that was being used, Gas. And he sounded quite nice on the when yeah, yeah. it came. I think it was because of the era. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's what it was. But it sounded quite nice. Yeah, well, yeah. Your, your music's iconic. Yeah. And I tell you what, they use it as well in, in quite a few other TV series as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. it's cropped up. And it's always nice when you hear something like that on the film track. And you say, I thought, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Slaystuff always sounds good to me. Yeah, Take Me Back Home, I always think, sounds the best. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. Really? I've got to talk about the Bentley. Yeah. Because as a Slade fan, many people who aren't Slade fans will know what a dreadful situation you yeah. found yourself in in July 73. Yeah, July 4th. American Independence Day 73. Yeah. Where you survived yeah. a fatal accident that killed uh, my Angie. My girlfriend at the time, yeah. Near Wolverhampton on the end. It was on the Compton Road. It was from the centre of Wolverhampton and it was the road towards where I lived in Wolverhampton. I lived on the outskirts of Wolverhampton. I had an apartment there. On the Compton Road was the road from the centre of Wolverhampton to where my apartment was. Yeah. How did that change your attitude to driving at that point? It didn't, actually. I was surprised because also the surgeon who was looking after me at the time, it was him as well who said, you've got to get back to playing drums. He says, and you've got to get back to driving. Is that right? They yeah, said that. he said, otherwise you never will. Right, right. You know, I must tell you guys, the last thing I felt like doing was playing drums. Oh, really? But it was the best advice I've ever had. Because you couldn't even remember how I the songs remember started. the songs, yeah. but they had to do such a carry me on stage and put me on my drums and carry me off when we finished. But they used to play these tricks on when we finished, they always used to leave me there. <laughs> so the, the, the show had finished because I couldn't move because I had really poorly legs. You know, I couldn't get off the drums myself. And they used to leave me there, sods. <laughs> no, whether you were a driver, you were at least mobile and independent yeah, then. Yeah. And that was okay, like you said as well, guys. I mean, I wasn't sort of nervous or 
not ready to go driving again because like I think I've mentioned before I don't remember the car accident right. I've got no idea right. and when I saw this brain specialist on one tour in America and he was arranging me to go and see him and he did quite a few tests on me and he said you never will remember it really he said it's just the way the brain he said it's like the most complex computer you could ever think of he said what's happened he said it happens to a lot of people it's switched off just at the point of impact, and it'll switch back on when he's ready. And it's incredible, isn't it, really? It's a kind it, thing. It, it's, it's fantastic. And the surgeon said to me, what do you want to remember for? Yeah, really. which, is, which is right, you right. know. And that accident, we're going to be talking about cars, but yeah. the effect of that accident left your memory damaged yeah. and your sense of smell for the rest of your life. Yeah, the sense of smell and taste is gone forever. You know, because when I had the fracture skull... And I was all smashed up, and what they said, they were trying to keep me alive. He said, the thing like the sense of smell and taste is like the nerves in the bridge of the nose. He said, they wouldn't even bother with that. He said, they'd be trying to keep you alive. Yeah. You Glad know. you're here. And that's uh, too right. So, okay, after the loss of the Bentley, yeah. did you replace it immediately? What did you get next? If I should remember right, I had a Jag, I had the V12. Lovely. What, yeah. XJ12? That's it, yeah. Oh. Nice, really nice car that was. We used to guzzle the petrol, believe me. It really took the petrol. But that time, guys, we started to tour in heavy again, especially in the States, so it wasn't worth me keeping it. So I just, actually, I gave it to my father. Gave him yeah, the car? Yeah, I, I gave to my father. But he soon got rid of it because it was costing him too much in petrol. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a rock star like no, you. He I couldn't afford it. And I wasn't going to subsidise him. <laughs> so the years that you spent in the States, which were 74 to 77? About that, around yeah. that time, yeah. You were on buses most of the time, or did you ever own or drive a car in the no, States? No, I never actually owned a car in the States, guys. I mean, we were taken everywhere at the time. as either in a tour bus or being driven everywhere, really. I did drive in New York a few times, but that was like worse than driving in Paris. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was a nightmare. The Paris is a nightmare. I thought it was, but New York's even worse. I mean, if you stop at a red light as normal, and as soon as it changes, if you haven't gone, they start to ram you up the backside with their cars, you know. It's a hostile environment. A hostile, yes. The Big Apple Blues, I think they that's call it. it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Let's see if I can get any other Slade song titles yeah, here while we're talking. the memory. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it now. Yeah. Uh, so when you came back to the UK, 77, it was a different world, punk rock had happened. Yeah, yeah. You weren't earning the kind of money, you weren't having the hits that you were having no. previously. Did you have to downscale the cars? I don't think it was particularly... What did I have after that? I'm trying to think what it was, guys, after that. Where would you have been living in 77? London? Uh, London. So I never really needed a car. That's right. I did have the Mini... But I can't remember what happened to that, because when we decided to stay in New York, obviously the car would have been just lying around. I may have given it to my nephew, actually. Keep uh, giving cars yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, see, the thing is, you get nothing for selling them, do you? When, when they become, like, used after a week, you can't get anything for them. So it was better for me to just to sort of give them away, you know. I remember... I did have another roller. You did? I did. I had the... Silver Cloud 2. Yeah, Silver Cloud. The same shape as the S3. The, yeah. One had, yeah. Yeah, it was That's the Cloud. It. And that was a beautiful car. Yeah. Beautiful car. And who maintained that for you? Barclays in London? Or yes, it was. It was Barclays in London. A nice advert for them, wasn't it? I'll, I'll pop around there now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Barclays in London looked after that. But the same again in London. I could walk quicker than drive. 
I used to live in Hampstead. You park outside my apartment in Hampstead. Never been used, you know, because more than anything, it wasn't so much driving it. He was trying to find somewhere to park. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, because yeah. I could never get it on a parking meter. I tried to get it up the multi-storey car park once, but not realised it was too big, and I was stuck around the corner going up to the next level. But the thing was, there's about 30 cars behind me in the oh, queue. So I had to sort of beckon them all to go back. and It, was, it caused pandemonium. <laughs> all the cars trying to reverse down the slope and everything. I remember a slide causing chaos. That's it, yeah. That's but, very unlike you. Yeah, not unlike us, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever own supercars? Did you ever have any Ferraris or no. E-types? Or... They were always me, British. Me personally, guys, they've never done anything for me. I love the big old things. I mean, a big tank probably do me with my record anyway, sort of thing. <laughs> but no, I've never been one for the Ferraris, like you say, or the Aston Martin, whatever, whatever. I like the big thing around me, like the Bentley, the S3, or the Silver Cloud, you know. Dave had a Jensen CVA and a couple of rollers, from what I remember. That's right, yeah. The Jensen CVA was a beautiful car. And then he had the Silver Cloud as well. With a famous registration. Yeah, well, actually, that registration was on, um, what they call it, not a Spitfire, it was, um, I'll think of it in a minute, but I can picture it. He didn't even notice what the number plate was. Really? He bought the car, and, and I remember, but I think we were still with our parents still then, and I went to his parents and said, have you seen what your number plate is? It said Yob 1. Yeah. And that was a complete coincidence. Yeah, totally. He said, no. I said, go and have a look at your number plate. And that was Yob 1. I mean, so unique, that yeah, thing. Yeah. And he was the super Yob before that. That's then, it. That's it? how it worked perfectly. Yeah. Dave and his Jensen's, he had MGs. Was it a Sprite? And I seen Healy Sprite. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I'm I'm to remember. It, I think I can picture it. But I remember the first time we met, you and me, which was in 1978, only... About Was it that late? Yeah, yes. it was. Yeah, it was the first time we wow. met. I've been coming to your gigs, but the first time I walked into a room to talk to you was 78. I was 17 years old, and you were playing no more than 15 miles away from where we are right now. Right. And this woman, Carol, who's with me now, was with me. She was my girlfriend back then. Okay. And we came to the Tivoli in Buckley. Wow. And I remember seeing your Rolls-Royce or Nod's Roller with the registration NDY82 parked and I think you were all travelling in that it was a was it a big like yeah. limousine yeah that was a present that Chaz bought us your manager bought you a roller bought that roller as a present nice because we were all either going on the train or just going in our own cars and as, as a lovely present he bought us that roller he was a good man Chaz nice that was quite a nice car that was quite a nice car so what's the worst car you've ever owned Dom? Worst I don't think I've really had one Gaz that I can sort of say I wish I had bought that. The V12 Jag cost me a lot of money in repairs and maintenance and things like that, but that was a beautiful car to drive, especially on the motorway. But I can't really say I've got a worse car, really. I, mean, I always remember my very first Mini was just fantastic. So I can't really say the worst car goes, really. Do you consider yourself a good driver? Well, I would say yes, wouldn't I? Maybe many people who've driven me wouldn't agree with that. I don't know. But, but oh, yeah, especially in America. <laughs> and how long do you reckon you're still going to be on the road? You've been gigging with Dave for 51 years. I know. Yeah? Yeah. This year, 51 yeah, years. Yeah, unbelievable. I don't know what to say, Gad, because, I mean, people asked me that question about 20 years ago. 
when are you going to stop playing? I'm having a great time. I, I love doing what I do. And I'm getting to see the world. Yeah. I've got the best job in the world. It's fantastic. I've been around the world four times, guys, playing. I can't really say I've seen that much of it. Hotels, dressing rooms and airports. We're on first name terms of all the security around Europe. But I'm still loving it and enjoying it. So I'll carry on while I'm doing that. And as long as you're doing it, I'll be there as well. That's great. It's always great to see you, mate. It's thank great you for your support. Um, Don, thank you for yeah, cheers, everything. Mate. Without you, there would be no me. No, no, okay, no. cheers, mate. Cheers. <laughs> well, I don't know what I can say to that. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Jones on I absolutely mean that Don Powell is responsible for me being a podcaster, ultimately, because all I ever did was set out to be a member of Slade, or the first Welshman on the moon, and that's why I ended up in rock and roll, then television, and now podcasting. So without Don Powell, there would be no so me. Kind of com- we're completing the circle here. Exactly. Yes. Many thanks to Don Powell for allowing me to interview him for this programme. You know, it was a huge privilege for me, and I wish him well, because shortly after we did that interview just before Christmas. During Slade's Christmas tour, Dom was running for a train, I think in Wakefield, and the tendons in both his legs snapped. He collapsed to the floor, was taken to hospital, has had surgery, and has now been transferred to a hospital in Wolverhampton, which is more or less where Don is from. And I spoke to him via text over the last couple of days, and he's recovering, and he's in a very very good spirits indeed because he's surrounded by lovely nurses his words not mine (laughs) so Don Powell we wish you well thank you very much but let's look to the future now because it's only just begun if I can use it yeah thank you very much and things to come have you seen the film things to come Alexander Corder's things to come yeah, years ago, yeah. yeah. yeah have you yeah. seen that Classic film? Classic British no. sci-fi. Oh, early, early British sci-fi. I love visualising the future. I love that which hasn't happened yet. It's the most exciting part of stuff. And Richard, I've got to ask you about what is or isn't going to happen for you because it's not clear what's happening to the Grand Tour to some people. Can you give us the definitive answer? It's not over, is it? No, it's not over, no. There's a series on now. There's a series on now, which started a couple of weeks ago. I downloaded and watched the first one last week, yeah. And that's... 14 shows over 13 weeks because shows two and three are the Siamese in as much as they are a two-part special from Columbia which is going out this week. So 14 shows in total. That's series three. That then fulfills the original three series that Amazon bought but they have now renewed the show so next year there will be the Grand Tour but what's going away is the tent the studio bit's going away and the idea of doing a series of 12, 13, 14 shows in one block that won't happen anymore basically going to be just specials and there'll be two specials a year for two years so that'll take us through sort of 2020 wow is it already 2020 next year 2020 and 2021 so there is more Grand Tour but there won't be any more tent and all that sort of stuff and there won't be any more bits where Jeremy goes to the track with a new sort of performance car and drives it around and there's a lap with Abby our driver all that's going away all sort of the peripheral stuff if you like just concentrate on let's be honest the stuff that people seem to like the best. So no more road tests other than in the context of if it happened to happen in one of those big specials. Yeah yeah. And it will still be called the Grand Tour. Yes because the thing about those specials is they kind of encapsulate the notion of the Grand Tour 
the best because they are big journeys across mm. far-flung lands, and that's always what seems to go down the best with viewers and, and mm. them for a while. Yeah, ages and ages ago, I said to our producer, Andy Woolman, I said when we were sort of thinking, well, how do we evolve the show? And I went, why don't we just do sort of like, just all do specials? And he went, oh, you couldn't take a whole series of those. It'd be too much. And he's sort of right, but when they are just sort of how the show is now, it's almost like they're little sort of movies. So mm. you get a couple of movies a year featuring those three comedy characters you know and love. And that, that sort of, that that's work, a way of... That works for Amazon. It, it might not make a traditional broadcast TV series. No, exactly. But it works for Amazon. Well, I suppose it would in well, the way and, that and you I think say, about... It works for, you know, and it could work for the viewing public. We don't consume everything that we view no. in the way that we're used to. We don't mm-hmm. watch one show a week. Yeah for six months or whatever it is, and then yeah. wait for another series to come around. We, uh, but if you think about the way that like, binge, the, the BBC used to latterly sort of treat things like Only Fools and Horses just became basically an annual Christmas special, I think. Mm-hmm. They stopped doing series. So it's, there is a sort of precedent there, and we're kind of following that model, where it's almost like it's a way of a show in its dotage could be sort of gracefully allowed to carry on without really wearing through to the canvas. And hopefully that's what will happen with this. I don't know. I'm not even sure if I'm doing it. Cause well, I, that was I'm my next question. We'll Two questions. Year, How does this affect you? Because most of your work is in the shorter films in the studio, isn't it? As well as the big features? Yeah, the thing with those specials is there's an awful lot of planning, and I mm. get involved at that stage mm. just with sort of having some input into where we might go, what we might try and do there looking at all the research that's been done and you know what cars are we going to choose and then I always end up doing all the sort of background research on the cars themselves because that's kind of my area of nerdery but there's just to be fewer shows so there would be less work I mean that's the thing generally there's going to be a smaller team a smaller team is going to be homeless as of March because the lease on the existing office is up so well you've got a tent <laughs> just pitch the tent somewhere because no, I keep there saying go. if you want a new office in where your office is uh, Chiswick just Chiswick, behind the Volvo garage we'll yeah it's an absolute sure. tip at the moment but I'm presuming <laughs> that someone will clear it out before the landlord wants the keys back yeah there are two tents because you know when we were doing the Relax, touring around the world there were two identical tents because they would leapfrog each other and I keep saying you could make some of the production budget back by doing weddings and bar mitzvahs and stuff <laughs> but this idea hasn't been taken up by our I people. think we ought to keep borrow the, the tents let's rent the tents let's pitch them at Silverstone and record our own because there's going to be a gap in the market for that sort of show now let's do it us three call it Gaz Top Gear and invite people I'll start talking like this and uh, <laughs> you can be little oh sorry, you already I are yeah. right and, and Richard you can be rational I'll just actually you can't do that floral can shirts yeah yeah that's I not going to work is it because the thing about the Grand Tour and how it's carrying on it, it feels like because it's sort of this news of the show is carrying on coincided with then a new series coming out and it seemed a bit confused and I keep getting asked about it what's going on is it over people go is it over then and I go no well it's not, it's not it, mm, let me explain but the only people who've got an even bigger marketing conundrum it seems to me are Top Gear because they announced that Matt LeBlanc's leaving but what people maybe didn't realise is they had a series already in the can that they were just sitting on that it was always intended to go out but around now it's coming up soon and they're running trailers for it but of course it's still got Matt LeBlanc in it because they shot it ages ago yeah. and it's still got Rory Reid in it who's been shuffled off to do the Extra Gear show and it hasn't got Freddie Flintoff and Patrick McGuinness in it who are going to be the new presenters who've already been announced with a photo shoot and a big kind of blah, here they are and so it's Weird. like it if is you're not annoying. paying attention and it's always this thing with marketing campaigns and I've been involved in peripherally writing stuff for marketing Top Gear and now Grand Tour you always assume everyone's paying complete attention to it and knows exactly what's going on because you do because you're deeply mm-hmm. involved in it mm. 
And of course, people out there in the real world aren't because they've got their lives to get on with and they'll just pick up snippets of information. Mm. And so to the casual observer, they'll go, oh yeah, I heard something about, oh, what's his face? Joey from Friends is leaving Top Gear. So there's a new series of Top Gear on. Oh, look, that's Joey it, from yeah, Friends. That's, that's, that's weird. It's must have changed his mind. Yeah, that's odd, the, isn't it? Because the newsroom leaving was, what, three months ago? Yeah, if, yeah. If not yeah. more. More, you know, yeah, so, more. You know, so after that length, you could perfectly well get away with new series coming out. Oh, and by the way, that presenting team isn't going to be there for the next series. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. That doesn't confuse people, I think. But if you've got three months to have taken the news in almost forgotten about it and then you get yeah. the next series yeah that's, that's very odd it is a bit odd but anyway I, I'm sure they'll write it out you know, again the thing is people aren't completely paying attention because they've got their lives to get on with but also they're not bothered by it because they've got their lives to get on with so they'll just go oh look uh, so right Joey is doing this okay and then in I don't know, probably a year's time or maybe a bit less there'll be another new series with the actual new lineup, and then people will go, go oh right okay yeah. here they are oh so Joey's changed his mind again. But either way, it's sort of... Ultimately, people will either watch it or they won't. It doesn't matter that much. Yeah, Incidentally, I might have mentioned this before, but TV's Chris Monkey Harris off Top Gear, who's a friend of mine, genuinely calls Matt LeBlanc Joey. <laughs> if you ever talk to Chris, he'll go, so how's it going? He's like, yeah, yeah, so I was doing this thing with Joey. And I was like... <laughs> I, think, yeah, I hope he doesn't do that to his face, but apparently he does. <laughs> like I said, it's his real name. Richard, can I ask, why is the Grand Tour changing shape? Because the presenters are very old and tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the reason. Although what they've done, because they are, and this is just the latest in a long, long line of absolute frigwittery on the part of all of us involved in that show and the previous incarnation. It's just sort of not thinking things through properly. They've gone, oh, we're just really knackered and we want to do other things, and, you know, so we just don't want to be endlessly going to airports and flying off places. So they've chosen to refine the show down to just the most arduous the and difficult bits. I was about to say, you stupid yeah, idiots. But yeah. that's what they're doing. If they want to make it easy, they just go into a daytime quiz show where you knock out 30 in an afternoon in well, the one room yeah. and change your shirt every half an hour. Well, Jeremy like has, because he's, he's yeah. millionaired up, and yeah. having a great time doing that. But slightly annoyed he got that gig, I fancied that. He's myself. loving doing that. Yeah, Benny I'm is. loving him doing it as well, because I write his jokes, so it's quite good. Oh, you now? Oh, you've got a little uh, a foreigner. I've got a sideline going. Yeah, you, really? <laughs> yeah, 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 a little foreigner. And they're really nice, the millionaire people. So, uh, yeah, and he's, he's having a great time doing it. He absolutely yeah. adores doing that show. So I'm sure he'll do more. But what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so, why have they changed it? So, yeah, it's partly that. Basically, Amazon really, really wanted some more. They wanted some more Grand Tour. But first of all, it wasn't clear that they did at first because they didn't really say either way. They just wanted us to crack on with what they'd originally bought, which was three series. I think we were sort of assuming perhaps that might be it, but we didn't know. And then Amazon came back and went, no, no, we'd like you to do some more. And so then sort of negotiations were open. I mean, way above my pay grade. I wasn't involved. It's none of my business because the production company that actually makes the show is owned by three presenters and our exec, Andy Wilman. And they went into bat and talked to Amazon. And this was the compromise. The compromise actually is they'll make effectively sort of four, I guess, feature-length specials over two years. But then also each presenter will do solo projects for Amazon because they would like them on their mm, channel. Interesting. Yeah. So they'll each probably do something else on their own or at least have the option to, which I think they're all quite excited about because it means they can sort of go and do something else that's sort of, you know... Another. I was I mean, going to say passion projects, but that all sounds incredibly <laughs> sort of Hollywood nonsense. But I, mean, I think if you are going to rejig the show, the stuff that you most want to keep 
are the specials. Yeah. So they have a good shelf life, that's, don't that's they? That's the right way to... Well, the cul- good ones culturally, do stand out, yeah. Culturally, they're more like the sort of movie format, which does well on on-demand stuff. Yeah, that's what people go to, rather than a sort of factual programme that is mm. a studio-based thing. There's less of that. And you can see, arguably, why it's gone that way. Well, we'll do the studio bit then. We'll have that tent. Tell them we'll have the tent. Okay. So that's definitely to come. 14 episodes over the next 13 weeks. Yeah, well, where are we now? So as we speak now, if this show goes live tomorrow first part of the columbia special and i think the day after the second part pretty good that i enjoyed it the columbia special i wasn't there so it's quite nice to watch it and i've just done all the x-ray trivia and stuff for I'm it and looking it's, forward it's good to fun talking about things to come and columbia, columbia. formula e santiago this weekend you can oh watching. what a seamless link that almost yeah hey i believe I've i thought about yeah. it yeah. yeah did you watch the last race richard are you watching formula e uh, i haven't had the chance no and it's not not so can i have yeah it's I, know, good. I, I just at least because i've been away and stuff and because yeah. i know you're down on formula one so i'm trying to direct you towards something else because mm. you've lost a little bit of the faith in Formula One. Yeah, we'll see how that comes back. I mean, I've still been paying attention to all the sort of machinations in the off-season. But yeah, I know. No, I would happily go and watch Formula E, but it's like mm. I've been away because I went to the States and then I came back and immediately went to Sweden, obviously, because that's what you do. Um, <laughs> Apparently, Max Verstappen doesn't want to watch Formula E because part of his FIA punishment... Yes, Community uh, service. Community okay. service yeah. was that he had to go to the last Formula E race. Yes. Was it really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Really. And, 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 and what? Observe the marshals. Really? I think it was you know, uh, uh, a, a PR thing. Or, uh, um, <laughs> but isn't the FIA rather selling it short? Because the implication of making him go along to this event... Is it's a you know, punishment? Is, yeah. It, uh, it's a bit like a... Sort that of, is a, weird. A, a, it is weird. I mean, what, sure, they're going to get some publicity for it, but it's, it's the wrong way of doing it, surely. I think it's like a victim statement sort of thing about the effects of what you do and how it affects the safety of the marshals if you're misbehaving. They're trying to lighten to see it from but another side. Yeah, they could have put him in prison. They could have given him life sentence send him to like I don't know <laughs> send him to sort of like Snetterton on a really cold February yeah, day to do a historic Formula Ford race I mean, then, that, then you feel the sharp end of March yeah, there you go at a banger race at uh, oh race imagine before we go one final thing WRC starts again this weekend did you watch any rallying last year Richard outside I, I, I didn't no, I no. love it catch the rallying and if you really want to treat watch it on S Pedwarek that's Channel 4 Wales S4C it's what we call it in Welsh S the programme is called Rallyo, rallying in Welsh. Mm-hmm. And it's basically all the action, the interviews in Welsh, but not all of them, because the only person they can interview in Welsh is Elvin Evans. Everyone else they have to interview in their native language. So even if you don't speak Welsh, here's a good excuse to watch a Welsh channel, because we love rallying in Wales, and it's great. Elvin is still there, M Sport. Things have changed. Ogier is now at Citroën with Essa Pekalapi. Loeb is at Hyundai. They've got a super team with Andreas Mickelson and Thierry Neuville there, and Danny Sordo. And, of course, Toyota have got the ultra-super mega team with Yari Matti Latvala, who I like. Chris Meek! Chris, uh-huh. cra- crashing Chris Meek. How long before Chris Meek crashes? Will he be the first one to crash? Yes. And Oitanak, who I adore as well. So loads going on. M Sport, I should mention. Evans is still there. Timu Suninen's there now. And Pontus Tiedmund. Who? Great name, Norwegian. Pontus, Pontus Tiedmund. Do you know, sometimes you just things pop into your brain. You just, yep. just your brain does something. And just the other day, and I wrote it down just because I have a list of names I've made up. Okay. Uh, well, you couldn't have made up Timu Suninen. No. More like a rally driver's name but than for, anyone. For no apparent reason, my brain just confected the name Penny Hentigrasp. And... <laughs> 
Oh, now I've got to try and work him into some kind of fake rally report. Penny Hentigrasp. Penny Hentigrasp. It doesn't even sound properly in the Scandinavian. It's just stupid. When you said Penny Hentigrasp, I was picturing some flapper in a 1920s detective. Yes, no, I see it. I'm spelling, you didn't see I was written it down P E N N I. Ah, I see. Yeah, I thought it was P E N N I. Hello, Penny Hentigrasp. Well, from Penny Hentigrasp. Tack. Yeah, very good. From Paul Ierson. Goodbye. And me, Gary Matty Yonanen, which I think is probably Gareth Jones in Finnish. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Don't forget, if you are interested in sponsoring this podcast, drop us an email to onspeed at garethjones.tv.